Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, I give up my theory on why the Lakers haven't officially announced Darvin Ham quite yet. Uh, after Harrison and I talked about it for about a half hour or so. Good work by me. Oh, and uh, I guess a finals game was played last night. Not even going to say who won, but I do have thoughts on, on the finals in general. So Darvin Ham was hired uh, essentially a week ago today, by the time you guys are listening to this. And uh, we have not, to this point, had any official acknowledgement of that hire from the Lakers. According to Adrian Wojnarowski, Darvin is apparently already working on uh, compiling a staff. He is also apparently uh, with the Lakers while they watch these pre-draft workouts. So, begs question, hey, what's going on? Uh, and, and look, I, I said this to uh, Harrison on the show, and I said, I'll, I'll repeat it again here. After speaking to some people, nobody from the Lakers is worried at all about this falling through in the same way that we saw things fall through with Ty Lue. The explanation um, is that things never got as far with Ty as they have gotten with Ham. To that point, the uh, Lakers are, you know, we have reports out there on the uh, terms of the deal that the Lakers apparently signed Darvin Ham to. Uh, we have, again, details that, that, <laughs> that Ham is already working with the Lakers and working on compiling his staff for the Lakers. So this is clearly further down the line than it was with Ty Lue, even though we got that infamous uh, Ty Lue birthday cake uh, picture that will live on forever, etched in permanent ink. It, well, not even etched, or not even in permanent ink. Etched means that it is literally scratched into my brain forever. I will never get over that picture and the fact that they didn't hire the guy. Uh, regardless, though, I'm not too worried about this falling through. But again, it does kind of make you wonder what else might be going on. Some kind of popular theories <laughs> that Harrison and I got to uh, that Ham is waiting for the Lakers to trade Russell Westbrook and won't sign the dotted line until they do. That was Harrison's theory, and that's my favorite one to this point. Um, we have some other theories on, hey, are the Lakers waiting uh, out the rest of this season so they don't have to pay Ham the prorated amount for this month? Um that, given the frugalities that we have seen from the Lakers over the last year or so, might make a little bit of sense. Uh, but I, I think the most logical theory here, and the one that I most believe, is that the Lakers, as soon as they announce Darvin Ham, will have to plan a press conference. Rob Palenka would have to be there. Darvin Ham would have to be there. And there is a lot that the Lakers have to answer for given all of the details that have come uh, to that have become public about the way that the Lakers operate organizationally, about their intentions on Russell Westbrook, whether they plan on keeping him or trading him. Um, there are a lot of awkward questions that the Lakers would have to answer in a press conference. And as we have seen with Rob Palinka, he does not like to have press conferences until the Lakers have some good news for him to talk about. So, would it surprise me if by the time you guys are listening to this, uh, the Lakers announce on another uh, Friday news, uh, Friday evening news drop that they have officially uh, inked Darvin Ham to his deal? Wouldn't surprise me at all. But 
if you're looking for reasons why the Lakers might not want to, not wanting to talk publicly seems like the most logical and most pragmatic, realistic reason why. Beyond like, I guess Darwin is not interested in a little extra money. That doesn't make much sense. Uh, the Lakers, if they're already working with him, you know, they probably, if they have him working in any kind of capacity, they have to be paying the guy. So some kind of deal has to kind of sort of has to be in place if we're to believe the reporting. I just kind of wonder what else is going on. All right. I put this off about as long as I possibly could. And this hurts to have to do in a public forum. But I'm about to ooh, I'm about to compliment the the, the Boston Celtics. Ooh. So we would, we just watched them make the Warriors look utterly pedestrian in that fourth quarter, maybe even worse than pedestrian in that fourth quarter. Um they the, the Celtics probably paid, played out of their minds, shot out of their minds. And the Warriors probably played the worst basketball they have played to this point in this season in that fourth quarter. As a result, Boston now has home court advantage, uh, a one to zero series lead against uh, the, the the Golden State Warriors, and a ton of momentum that they probably didn't anticipate having coming off of a long series against Miami and heading into a well rested uh, Golden State matchup. All that said, oh God, I don't want to do this. All that said, um, I think a, a couple things are worth noting here in the makeup of Boston's team. Tons of wing depth, right? That was clearly, that has clearly been a priority for them in building out their roster. Bigs that are uh, focused on playing their position in a very modern way. Uh, where you have a lot of switching going up and down, like one through five switching. You have Al Horford stepping out and hitting threes at a, an incredible rate, especially in these playoffs. Robert Williams, it, neither Horford or Williams are looking for post-ISO touches in any kind of a scenario. That's not good offense in 2022. Um, and And, you know, I think most importantly, everywhere on the court, they are athletic. They are physical. They, other than Peyton Pritchard, when he's out there, they just are a. They're they're a, they remind me honestly a lot of the, you know the the, the Lakers, uh, 2019-2020 team that went out and won a championship. Super physical, bigger at basically every position. Uh, a a really difficult team to play night in night out. And uh, Golden State plays a very small backcourt. And I thought over the course of the game, and I think over the course of the series, we might see that small backcourt really kind of wear down. Uh, they'll have stretches where their explosiveness and the reason that they play that that that, that small backcourt comes to light and comes to fruition. They they make the bigger uh, Celtics teams look kind of ridiculous. But I thought that first quarter was extremely telling that uh, Steph goes off and... Uh, Boston was able to hang right there with them because nobody else on on uh, Golden State's roster looked very comfortable out there. Draymond is going to play better. Poole, I would imagine, probably going to play better. Maybe. Uh, 
but but overall, if you are looking to bank on one kind of character trait in a final series, physicality is a really important one. And and I think the Lakers in this last iteration of of uh, roster construction, uh, they've really focused and they really doubled down, tripled, quadrupled down on smaller kind of combo guards. And and I think here in uh, this new kind of era of basketball, that position, that player archetype, is the least. Uh, valuable, the the least important type of player that you can have on a roster. So, uh, look, <laughs> it might be that game two happens, and the things that I'm saying here make me look ridiculous. Uh, but I do think that as we saw over the course of the season here with the Lakers, like every night, it just felt like the Lakers were outmatched physically, and and I just don't think that's any way to build out a roster. So. As the Lakers get ready to put together a roster for next year, one thing that I, I hope that they get back to is this notion of bigger, stronger, faster, not just on the interior where you have LeBron and Anthony Davis, but also on the perimeter uh, where previously we saw backcourts of KCP and Danny Green or Alex Caruso and KCP and 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 just these bigger, physical, long, athletic, switchy guards who might not offer up as much offensively, uh, but defensively, absolutely get after it. And I think that's something that the Lakers really missed last season and something I hope they find a way to replace in this upcoming summer. All right, that's going to do it. Now that I have, I just finished throwing up, saying so many nice things about the Boston Celtics. That's going to do it, though, for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown. In a little bit, I'm going to be talking to a probably extremely hungover Aaron Larsoul, as he and I go through the game that we watched last night. Um, a reminder that on games that happen on weeknights, I will be doing pressure cookers for the remainder of this uh, NBA Finals series. Had a blast last night doing it with Sabrina. Um, and again, plan to do more of them as this thing gets going. Um, so until I talk to you all next, whether that's on The Hook, whether that's Monday on this show, whether that's Monday on my show, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.